month and a half until the semester ends. It's most likely for a lot of us if we are going through the motions in Scripture, we're going through the motions in life. We're going through the motions in Mass, we're going through the motions in life. So the invitation from the evil one is to go on cruise control, to go through the motions. The invitation from the Holy Spirit is for us to spend ourselves and become empty vessels. And why this is so important is because if we are going through the motions in sacred scripture, we're missing an encounter with the living person of God who we're created to have a relationship with. And to add to that, if we're going through the motions in mass, that means we're missing the encounter with the living word made flesh. So how do we engage is the question. How do we remain present? How do we not go on cruise control? How do we not go through the motions? Like, how do I let the Holy Spirit lead me through the final month and a half of the semester? So when the word of God, the scriptures are proclaimed at Mass, it's, it's, it's more than a retelling of something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's an event that's present. Here and now, very concretely, to, concretely today, Jesus is, we have to know that Jesus is talking to me with whatever is going on in my life. And I'm not just reading a story that happened 2,000 years ago to Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Like, his word is alive, and it's present. That means Jesus is talking to me right now. Jackie, Jesus is talking to you. Lucy, Jesus is talking to you. Pat, Jesus is talking to you. Sarah, Jesus is talking to you. It almost makes me cry sometimes and know that Jesus wants to talk to us. And the nature of Scripture is that, again, it's the living and breathing Word of God. The church teaches that the Scriptures are breathed. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and His words is how He wants to communicate to you and I today. And one way you and I can grow in the Word is by placing ourselves in the scenes, in the scriptures, and pl- taking place of one of the people. And to approach the scriptures and ask the Lord, what do you want to say to me today? Let's so imagine having a friend who's been in prison in South Korea for 10, 15 years. You presume them to be dead. Then one day, out of the blue, you see a letter from him. Your heart sinks. You open that letter and you just savor every single word knowing that your friend is alive. Or would you just breeze through it and throw it in the trash? The invitation for us is to be more like the Blessed Mother and take on that disposition of pondering the word deeply. So as we approach Holy Week, I encourage you to do just that. Read each each day's gospel, savor the living word, and ask God before you approach the scriptures, what do you want to say to me today? And underline things, star things, and after going through the word a few times in Lexi Divina, just ask the Holy Spirit to help you get in touch with the scene. Use your senses, like what did it smell like? What did it 
taste like? What did it feel like physically, emotionally? What did it, what did it sound like? What, what, did it, what did it look like? And ask the Holy Spirit to just simply take you to the scene and help you explore the space. Like, was it cold or was it hot? Is, is the weight of the scene heavy or is it light? Are you with people or are you alone? Is it sunny or is it cloudy? Is it day or is it night? And if you struggle with imagining scenes, because some of us do that, we close our eyes and it just, it's just nothing. And I just want to say that's okay. But then the invitation is to find parallels with your own life, which I'll speak about in a moment. Like, do you have times where you've been ill? Do you have times in your life where you remember someone just died? Have you ever been frustrated with Jesus? So I just want us to look briefly at last Sunday's gospel with Lazarus. John chapter 11. Like maybe you relate a lot with Martha and Mary. He shows up and you just feel confused and you're wondering why Jesus wasn't there. Like do you ever say to Jesus, like, do you not care, Jesus? Like, really relating your emotions to him. Do you not care? I've been petitioning for this particular person or this particular grace, and it's not here yet. Do you not care? Like, how does it make you feel when it seems that Jesus isn't listening or he isn't there? Like, doesn't that anger you? Doesn't that confuse you? Like, to say, Lord, I feel angry, and I'm just at the point of being enraged. And he's like, good. I feel abandoned. Where were you? You should have been there. Find so many parallels as I'm raising a puppy right now. Here's a parallel for you. You know, it seems often that Mocha isn't listening. Yet I have to wait for her to make eye contact with me. Because when dogs don't make eye contact with you, they're either ashamed. When she makes eye contact with, with me, I know she's ready to listen. Like Jesus responds to you and me as he responds to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live, and everyone who lives, and everyone who lives, believes in me, will never die. So let's ask yourselves, Jamie, do you believe? Christian, do you believe? Nate, do you believe? Like, do you believe that if you die, you will live? There's a, there's, a, there's a hinge there for us to hook on to and, to, and to, to, to really look at is that the fact that if you die to self, Christ will live. John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease. That means if I'm dying to self, Christ is living in me. Like, do you believe this? Do you really believe this? Like, are these just words on a page? Or are you aware that this is a living word of God? And if you do believe, can people see it in you? So often I encounter people who say, I, I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have done that. But if you did know, did you believe? Like, then why don't you act on what you believe? Maybe you don't believe. Maybe the Holy Spirit's inviting you to linger and ponder that more today. I like we have to know that Jesus is actually enraged. He's enraged to the point of weeping 
over death with us and with Lazarus as he was in the tomb. Like Jesus didn't want death. The father didn't want death. It's not a part of his plan, but also it's physical death or spiritual death, intellectual death, emotional death. Jesus wants us alive. So when Jesus is weeping at Lazarus' tomb, it's because death is not a part of God's plan. Jesus actually often wants to come into our tombs of darkness and weep with us or even weep over the people who put us in those tombs. Like, you don't belong there. And to say to you, this is never supposed to happen to you. Or even to weep over our own sins when we've led other people into death. Like, the only way to get someone out of the tomb is to go into one. And that's often what campus ministry looks like. We have so many people who have been hurt. They're so broken. They're so... It's so heavy with what they're going through, but we have to have the courage, the light of the Holy Spirit. And as maybe that's your, who you're called to be in this scene is, is to look from the perspective of Jesus. So Jesus walks towards the tomb, and he tells the people to move the stone. The stench. Like, can you imagine the smell of someone who is dead for four days? Just imagine, like, dry heaving, gagging. Disgusting, Right? Parallel I found as I was meditating upon this was just on a mission trip, a kinship uh, community center in Milwaukee. On Sunday, we went into someone's house. The person just had a stroke. They were a caretaker, but they weren't taking care of themselves. As I walked up into the house, into the apartment, I started to gag because the smell was so repulsive. Immediately, I walked outside. I thought I was going to throw up. It made me incredibly uncomfortable. And just on a side note, that was the first time in my life where I actually wanted to wear a mask. <laughs> I was just like, okay, Jesus, I'll do it. I don't care. This is disgusting. But as we, we brought out those 15 to 20 bags that were 60, 50 to 60 gallons each, we had to remember that this person was suffering from a stroke. And the least we could do was help her. But I'll never forget that smell of rotting food, garbage everywhere, dishes undone for months. And what does Jesus do? He he tells the people, you roll away the stone, insert name here. You're going to notice in the middle there's some, some rocks. We did a meditation last year just to tell students, like right on the stone, like what's so heavy in your life? and put it at the altar of the Lord and ask him to take care of it. One way of entering into scriptures is is to pray with the matter. Pray with the matter. Some of these stones have words on them from what our students wrote last semester, or last year, I should say. And maybe just imagine, like, what, and look at the stone and see what weight they carried. But there's also some stones in a plastic bag. Maybe it's something you're carrying. And just thinking, like, how hard it is to roll away the stone or even just writing down the stones that the Lord has rolled away. And engage your senses. Pray. Maybe even smell that rock. And imagine how hard it is to roll away the stone, but how much easier it is to roll away the stone when you're with somebody else to help you. And then notice how Jesus, he screams. He screams, come out, Lazarus. How has the Lord been yelling at you? Or maybe he's calling out to you. 
Or maybe he's inviting you the final weeks to call out to others in their tombs, but call them by name. And again, I find parallels here with my dog, Moko, right? So I, I call her out of her cage every single morning. And then I have to wait. She's been sleeping. She's a little tired. And she makes eye contact. And then she comes. And I get to affirm her, not scold her, affirm her. I greet her with joy that she responds. And sometimes I have to yell even louder. Not too loud, of course, right? But Jesus screams out to us by name. Like, can you imagine the fear or the doubt of people in our, in our campuses? And remember that Jesus is God. And we are actually called to become like gods. We are called to be divinized. We are called to be crystified, sanctified. And God promised in Ezekiel, I will bring you out of your graves and have you rise from them. Like God promised that and he will do it. You, insert name here, will come out of your graves. You'll come out of those places of fear and you will walk in faith. And like, do you believe that in, the, in these final weeks of semester that the Lord will indeed work through you to call many people out? Maybe the reason why you and I doubt Jesus is because we're not living from our, our encounters from God. We're not living from those places where the stone was rolled away and he met me in my darkness and he loved me. Where I knew he was really present in the Eucharist. Where I realized he was really forgiving me in confession. Where I realized he was really alive and moving in my Bible study or in my discipleship group. To live from the power of the gospel message of Jesus. And finally, Jesus calls everyone to go and tie that person. That means you and I, after we call people out, we have a lot of work to do. You'll see bandages there too. Like to know that these are called to heal wounds, but sometimes we get wrapped up in lies. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm too far gone. People are going to make fun of me. No one's going to like me if I do that. All these lies. You're too much. You're not enough. And then our job through discipleship accompanying people is to untie them. But then when we are untied and we realize that we've been in the tomb, this can become a bookmark in your scriptures. You go through my Bible, you find about five in them. Five in my Bible. And I put, them, I put all these band-aids in different places of scripture where the, where the word has healed me. And I started placing my name in the scriptures. But to notice, after John 11 comes John 12. And immediately the authorities want to go kill Lazarus because they don't want people to witness. That means you and I have to be aware that as soon as they come out, the temptation can be to go back in. And if we don't take time to untie them, to, unbound, to unbind them, they're just going to go back in their tomb and die. So Jesus is super intense in these Gospels, but do we know how loving and powerful God is? 
He is the one that conquered sin and death. He gives sight to the blind and to ask myself, is there anywhere, Lord, where I'm blind right now? Or do you see? Like, do you hear the voice of God? Or have you gone deaf? Like, he heals the lame and the paralyzed. And maybe I've, I've just been paralyzed by fear, Jesus, lately. If I really take that extra step and I don't go on cruise control, I don't go through the motions these next few weeks in, in this last month and a half or so, why did I wait so long, Lord? Why did I wait so long to go the extra mile? The good news is that Jesus loves you. And he loves bringing life. He loves bringing faith. He loves bringing hope. And he also loves bringing trust. Another word for asking the question, like, do you believe, is, is do you trust? Like, God is reliable. He is trustworthy. And the church te- teaches again that the scriptures are breathed. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and he wants to communicate something to each of us today. The word of God is, many theologians said, is God's love letter to us. And it's very personal. It means nothing in your life is unimportant that's going on right now. And one way you can grow in the word, again, is placing yourself in the scenes. Maybe today there's an invitation just to, to look at that. Like, am, am I feeling like, I'm Mar- like Martha and Mary? Am I doubting God? Am I angry at him? And just stay there. Am I just being called to weep over the death of loved ones with Jesus? Am I, am I enraged that people are going back into their tombs or... Am, am I aware of how heavy this, this mission is, Jesus? Am I relating that to you? Am I, am I aware of the, the, look at these words, am I aware that people are, are carrying heavy, heavy burdens that make them live in the tomb? So when you and I approach the scriptures, we ask the Lord, what do you want to say to me? Because he always has something he wants to say to us. Let's close by asking for the Holy Spirit to fall upon us and teach us how to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, please fall upon us and speak to us. Please motivate us. Please set our hearts on fire with a zeal that we've never seen before. Help us know that when we die to self, you live in us, Lord Jesus. So we just ask you, Jesus, to send forth your precious blood upon us to remove all that is dead in us, all that is fearful in us. Anoint our eyes, our ears, our senses, so that when we pray with the sacred scripture, we know that you want to breathe your divine life into us. Give us the words, Holy Spirit. Give us the people. Help us call them by name and make our words extremely efficacious. And don't just change the way we think. Change the way we live, Holy Spirit. And help us rest in the loving gaze of Jesus. Help us never go through the motions and remind us, Lord Jesus, of all the times that you have called us out of the tomb and you have healed us, you have unbound us, and you have set us free. We ask for a spirit of freedom to fall upon us. So Holy Spirit, please breathe upon our mind and help us relax. Please breathe upon our heart. And please breathe upon all that we do today. 
For when we give God our time, he changes our lives forever. So Jesus, please change our lives forever. Amen.